Hey everybody, this is Alf speaking. Welcome back on the Macro Compass. So um, I want to start with a quote from Powell at the Wall Street Journal interview this week. He said, what we need to see is inflation coming down in a clear and convincing way. And we are going to keep pushing until we see that. We clearly have still a job to do when it comes to cooling down demand. He was very, very clear. I think the FOMC is totally comfortable with financial conditions tightening. They still think they have a job to do on cooling down demand. And if that involves raising Fed funds above uh, under, broadly understood levels of uh, neutral rates, which is around about 2.5%, if they need to go beyond that, they won't hesitate. Because, you know, what they want to see is inflation coming down in a clear and convincing way. Now, that has moved markets quite a lot. Before we start talking about that, I want to just remark that my friend Andrea Steno and myself, we've been putting quite some effort to deliver what we think is the most fun and actionable macro investment podcast out there. The response has been huge. We almost have 50,000 unique listeners to each episode. If you haven't listened yet to the Macro Trading Floor podcast, I suggest you do. And this week uh, might be a good chance because Andreas and I interviewed quite a special guest. Trust me, you don't want to miss this. Please go check it on every uh, podcast app, on your favorite podcast app. You can also subscribe to the show. And uh, please help us spread the word about the Macro Trading Floor podcast. Back to the article. Um, we saw the consequent bloodbath in equity markets, but that doesn't strike us particularly surprising, right? Given the hawkish stance from the Federal Reserve, which was renewed by Powell in the interview this week. But there are a couple of interesting moves beneath the surface. So number one, over the last month, copper, which is a bellwether metal for the global industrial economy, has been hit with a 12% drawdown. But if you look at agricultural commodities, they're still trying to test new highs. So here you see that since uh, the pandemic, basically, both industrial commodities and agricultural commodities have moved up in, in locksteps. But now the rather global industrial demand driven commodities like copper have actually started to show signs of weakness versus the more supply bottleneck driven commodities. That's agricultural commodities, for example. So it seems like we're starting to price pretty much of a sharp slowdown in growth and demand. Additionally, credit spreads are kind of blowing up. U.S. high yield spreads have now exceeded the 500 basis point-ish mark that marked the peak in 2018 before the Federal Reserve turned dovish. And they now seem to be heading towards a 600 basis point mark, which was the 2016, oh my God, global growth scare sort of moment. As we discussed this time, though, it's much harder for the Federal Reserve to step in because the levels of inflation are so high and inflation expectations are also much higher than they were in 2018. So watch out for credit spreads too. The third thing is that for the first time in a while, real yields actually have moved down over the last few weeks. We have seen real yields moving up from negative 80 basis point in the US all the way up to 60, positive 60 basis point, quite a move in only three to four months. But now we have seen them moving down a bit. Normally real yields moving down would support risk assets, but this time we are pricing a growth scare. Real yields can move up for and down for good and bad reasons. So let's see what, what I mean. They can move up for good reasons. That is when cyclical growth is picking up. There are also some expectation that long-term structural growth might be increasing. So we're talking about late 2017, early 2018. Real yields move up, but the equity market can keep performing because the economy is getting better. They can also move up for bad reasons. And that's when monetary policy is being tightened so aggressively in an effort to pull things down. And also cyclical economic growth isn't that strong anymore. So now you can think of late 2018 or early 2022 this year, for example. 
Premiums can move down for good reasons, and that's what we have experienced between the second half of 2020 and the first half of 2021, where monetary policy has been used very strongly and economic growth has bottomed and is actually picking up pretty aggressively. So real yields move down, and in that case, it supports risk assets. They can also move down for bad reasons, and that's what we have seen over the last week or so. That is when we're pricing the major growth scare, and earnings and growth need to be repriced down. That's a 2016 growth scare, and that's perhaps now. And that is important because the move down in real yields has basically coincided with earnings revisions and GDP uh, forecast being revised down. Uh, GDP forecast in the U.S. is still for 2.7%, though, which is above trend. And earnings have been revised, but they're still around 10% for the S&P 500 um, year-on-year earning per share growth this year. So the consensus is still relatively healthy out there. Now, the market is forward-looking, is pricing demand down, but analysts are, sit- are still sitting on healthy consensus. Now, what do we follow in all this mess? I think we try and focus on two, at least, of my macropolar stars indicators, what I call macropolar stars. So I chose two out of the main indicators I look at for this episode, and the first is observed tradable real yields against long-term equilibrium real rates the economy can handle. And so I put a chart in the article, and every time that observed risk-free real yields either traded above equilibrium levels for quite some time, or they sharply repriced up very quickly in a short time frame, like it's happening today, for example, then normally shit happens in risk assets. So either you have to have real yields above equilibrium for a while, or you have to reprice them in that direction very quickly. And either of the two causes problems in risk assets, and I explained in previous articles why that is the case. Today, we have observable real yields in America, which is around about plus 25, plus 30 basis point. My long-term estimate for U.S. real yields is 0%. So we're trading above, but most importantly, we have moved that direction very, very quick. So the macropolar star indicator number one says not good for risk assets. The macropolar star indicator number two is my indicator for equity risk premium. So what I do there is instead of looking at S&P 500 valuations in a silo, it doesn't make sense, I look at them against risk-free returns. So the focus there should be on on what's the additional expected return that one can generate on top of the risk-free real yield, which you can get from investing in U.S. treasuries. And I explain in the article why that is the case, why I look at certain uh, metrics to grasp valuations, why I focus on certain tenors to grasp real yields. But for this note, what's important to know is that on that measure of equity risk premium, we are sitting at 5.3%. Is the 5.3% very very big? Well, if I look at a 15-year channel, we're basically sitting exactly in the middle of that channel. We are not expensive, we are not cheap, but one might argue that with this monetary policy stance and with this growth slowdown, perhaps we should price some equity risk premium that are bigger than the average over the last 15 years. We are exactly in the middle. We are not in a cheap equity market when it comes to valuations, when we look at them against uh, risk-free rates and not in a silo. The main message from the two macropolar star indicators is the same, stay defensive. But now, when it comes to portfolios and risk management, in this kind of environments, you actually need to apply some quantitative position sizing and risk management techniques. We are going to talk about those a lot on Monday in the next article, but for now, I want to quickly introduce you guys to one of the many new tools that we're going to be seeing on the macro compass in the near future. It's the Volatility Adjusted Market Dashboard, BAMD. 
So this dashboard basically standardizes daily, weekly, or monthly market moves in global macro, literally every single asset class, every geography, and it standardizes them for the underlying volatility of the asset class. The idea is that if Bitcoin moves 3% in a day, well, I don't jump off my chair. If euro versus dollar moves 3% in a day, well, I should really pay attention. So we need to standardize for the average volatility in each asset class. And basically, we're going to expand BA and D to single asset classes. We're going to do one BA, uh, one volatility adjusted market dashboard on rates, one on credits, one on equities. We're going to take care of every single geography. We are basically going to add a color-coded dashboard every week delivered to you guys that tells us what has moved in which geography, in which asset class, and we can then analyze on a risk-adjusted basis what's moving, why it's moving, and whether we can actually um, benefit from that move by uh, an investment idea structuring, an investment thesis or a trade idea. On Monday, I'll also be talking about risk management techniques that I use to size positions and maybe drawdowns in my portfolio and all the other tools that we're going to be using. Uh, and I'm going to deliver for the Macro Compass community. Now, if you have suggestions or comments in general, let me know. And if you're interested in any partnerships, sponsorship, consulting services, just reach out to me at themacrocompass at gmail.com. Now, if you listen all the way through, you're my hero. The only thing I can ask you is just please like and share the article. Share the word about the Macro Trading Floor podcast. I really appreciate your support, guys. You're the best. We will um, talk again on Monday then.